0: A number of years ago, one of Jim Henson's Muppet characters famously said, Peoples is peoples, with the implication that no matter who we are or where we come from, we're all basically the same. But is that true? Within a certain culture, we may all be similar in our beliefs of right and wrong and normal, but what happens when you cross cultural lines or when you move to another culture? People from one culture often find the practices of another culture to be backwards, too morally progressive, too morally oppressive, even criminal. For example, most Americans would say that slavery, cannibalism, and pedophilia are appalling practices. Yet they are still practiced in other parts of the world. Today, though, we want to look at a different cultural line that exists and the differences that we encounter when we cross that line such as parents allowing their children and even equipping their children to do things that are dangerous, harmful, abusive, and morally untenable according to the moral authority of Scripture, an authority, by the way, that should transcend any cultural norm for raising healthy kids. We'll unpack all that with today's special guest, Dr. Nicholas Carderis. next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. As we say each week, our goal in the program is to take what we learn each day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill and share it with you in the hopes that you'll become more intentional as a parent and avoid the need for residential care. And in the process, we hope to bring you some insight on today's culture. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Retrozel. And Trace, there are some ways uh, that the Muppet I referenced a moment ago was probably right, that people's is people's, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, I guess it's that we, we seem to be subject to temptation. That is one way in which we're all the same. The Bible speaks clearly to that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think, though, that uh, that may be partly why digital technology's systemic influence is probably here to stay. It tempts us in so many ways, and because we don't set out to avoid temptation in this case, uh, we get caught by it. Now, as we start our time together today, though, let's set the record straight once again. We've said this before. You, Trace, really don't have a problem with the digital technology itself as a whole. You just think that because of the systemic nature of it in today's world, it has helped cloud parents' judgment in a big way in some areas. Does
1: that kind of sum it up? Yeah, it's kind of like our sin nature on steroids in, in a lot of respects. Uh, but it's also kind of like cars or guns or alcohol, tobacco, or, or even movies, uh, all these things serve a purpose, if some only for carnal pleasure, and, and all these things have been around long enough to have some of the age-appropriate bugs worked out of them. Right. Digital technology, however, is a you know a bit too new to have all the safety bugs and wise protocol worked out. At least I think so, anyway. Uh, I'm I'm talking mainly about kids having their own unfettered access to their own smartphones. I've never understood that. And I'm gonna keep beating this drum until more people start waking up to this insanity. Uh, But we have to first pull our our noses out of our own smartphones long enough to connect these dots. Folks, there are reasons that mental illness and suicide are skyrocketing among American kids these days. And it started long before COVID-19. But it's not just our kids, it's happening to uh, adults as well. Hmm. And notice I said reasons, plural. Because smartphones are not the only reason people are going off the rails today, but they are a conduit to virtually all the other uh, issues and vices that are are plaguing our kids today, our families, our society today. Uh, This is a, a much bigger deal and deeper conversation than most people realize Yet not enough real adults are pointing it out or speaking up about the the digital pink elephants that are inhabiting virtually every home and educational institution in America today. Again, I'm referring to smartphones in the hands of kids. Unfettered and unmonitored lies, slandered, smut, danger, and harm in an easy-to-carry plastic box. But who's addressing this? Folks, this is a recipe for disaster for our kids, and we're seeing it played out everywhere we turn. Today, we'll be talking to a man who can help us bring even more revelation and clarity to this subject.
0: Well, we definitely are. We've asked Dr. Nicholas Carderis to join us once again in this conversation, Trace. Uh, Dr. Carderis is a psychologist. He's a best-selling author, internationally renowned speaker, a professor, and an expert on mental health, addiction, and the impacts of our digital age. He has also developed clinical treatment programs in clinics all across the country, his books include Glow Kids, which was published in 2016 by St. Martin's Press, and How Plato and Pythagoras Can Save Your Life, published in 2011. In fact, he's got a new book uh, that's in the works now. Perhaps we'll find out more about that in today's conversation. But in his clinical work with adolescents, Dr. Cardaris has discovered that many teens today are suffering from genuine psychiatric disorders such as anxiety, depression, even psychosis-like symptoms as a result of their screen dependence.
2: Dr. Carderis
0: understands that smartphones and screen time in general have become a new type of digital drug, that's his term, that's used as an escape for young people, but it's also incredibly addictive. And in researching the effects of screen time on the brain, he found that the effects neurologically mirror actual substance addiction and are especially problematic in young children where their brains are still developing. Incidentally, uh, Dr. Cardaris and his family have recently moved back to the New York area. He's joining us today from his home in Sag Harbor, New York. Trace. Well,
1: Dr. Nick, welcome back to License to Parent. It's been too long.
3: Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, A lot has changed since last we spoke, but it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with both of you, Trace. And, Rich, thank you again for inviting me.
1: Always good to have you. Yeah, and, and since we last talked, uh, there has been a lot going on in the news that uh, seemed to have maybe taken away any attention that could have otherwise been given to any new discoveries or statistics uh, about tech addictions in kids. Tell us about uh, the additional reports or findings over the past two years that uh, we need to be aware of.
3: Well, so so we've all lived through, or, you know, those of us who have survived this pandemic, we gone through a pretty horrific 24-month uh, experience with a viral epidemic. And what some of my colleagues and I are talking about is the attendant shadow pandemic that went with it. And the shadow pandemic that I've written about and some others are talking about is the mental health crisis that's also occurred uh, in, in conjunction with quarantines and lockdowns and mm-hmm. additional screen time. Because unfortunately, the COVID pandemic was a beta test to really show what would happen if screen time increased and kids were educated via screens, which had been a movement before the pandemic. What does happen when you raise the intensity of screens and isolation and you remove face-to-face connection? Because, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm still chuckling at the Muppets introduction, which I've never <laughs> been on the show, which raised the Muppets and then which which again, I thank you, <laughs> but it's a really actually amazingly true point that you made. Peoples is peoples, and what's happened in the digital age is we've shifted away from the way that we were meant to live. And that's the bigger yeah. narrative that I think I'd like to kind of highlight since our last conversation. A few years ago when I wrote Glow Kids, it was new information that our devices could be habit-forming. But, but mm-hmm. we've checked that box. That's already now been an established thing. Now the more important conversation is how has our intersection with all these fancy gadgetry affected our mental health. And, and, and what, what we're seeing is that we're hardwired to have certain social, emotional needs met. We're hardwired for community. We're hardwired for physical activity. We're hardwired for meaning and purpose in our lives. And Mm -hmm. the connection piece was, was in our DNA because the tribe survived. We needed each other to survive throughout the ages and, and, we're, we're hardwired to be physically active, and, and when we're not physically active, things like depression and anxiety and isolation sets in, and there's no coincidence that millennials now are considered the loneliest generation. You know, nice. the most plugged-in generation is considered the loneliest generation. Mm-hmm. And so then you, you factor those in, and, and there was some incredible research from uh, a neuroscientist called Dr. Stephen Alardi that was looking at depression all over the world, Uh, And this is pre-COVID. And he had found that the people that were mentally healthiest, that had the lowest rates of depression, in fact, had almost zero rates of depression, were indigenous and pre-industrial cultures. Then they looked specifically at the Kaluli in uh, Papua New Guinea, and they looked at some Mm -hmm. other uh, tribal cultures. So that was one of the four things that were much more physically active, and they had no time Mm -hmm. for sitting in the basement in front of a screen, they were working collectively together and really strong family and group ties that we don't have. And they were also much more in nature and outdoors. Those were the main yeah. criteria. And, and so, so the bigger question is has not our, our devices addicting, but what is, has our modern age, is it antithetical to our needs as human beings? So I think that's, what's exploded over the last 24 months. Mm -hmm. Because now what we did is we, so we know that screen time doubled over COVID and depression tripled during COVID. So Mm -hmm. when you take a species that's meant to be social, meant to be connected, meant to be physically active, meant to have purpose and meaning in their lives, and you lock them up and you make them sedentary and you make them stare at a screen a lot longer and then you educate them through a screen for another eight hours a day, you're going to see some pretty significant psychiatric blowback.
1: Well, here's here's a drum that I've been beating since uh, around 2007. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Archibald Hart, but he wrote a book called Thrilled to Death, and mm-hmm. uh, in it he he really emphasized. And this is bef- this is pre-smartphone. Uh, this is when we still had our our desktops to to you know stay busy with. But uh, he, he seemed to think that. Uh, There was an issue which a lot of doctors are only familiar with as far as drug addiction and depression and schizophrenia, a condition known as anhedonia. And he says that there's a digitally induced anhedonia, which basically is a destruction of the pleasure center of the brain where people just cannot... Find pleasure in anything, largely because they've been pleasured and end up in, the, in the imbecility. It's like uh, the addict that keeps chasing the genie, trying to find the next fix. It, it, you know, when you just experience what you thought would bring the ultimate and it's let you down, where do you go from there? Well, you go crazy, and that's what he was talking about in 2008. Yeah, right. I don't hear, and he he claimed back then that 80 percent of the American population, uh, unless you're Amish. Uh, was dealing with this condition, this anodontic condition, uh, That's right. and uh, if you were a kid, probably one hundred percent. Even back then, today, as we've just been discussing, it's probably off the charts. Have you considered that or thought about or uh, yeah, uh, bro-
3: yeah. Bro- broached yeah. that topic? Yeah, and you know, back in nineteen eighty five, I'll go, I'll go a couple of decades earlier. Doctor Bill Postman at NYU wrote right. a book, "Amusing Ourselves to Death," right, and and was looking at at that time the desensitization of screen culture being television. You know, yep. our, our old, our good old living room inhabiting. And there's a book that's coming out right now by a Stanford professor called Dopamine Nation that speaks exactly to that mm-hmm. point, that we've been comfortably numb or digitally numb because we're so overly stimulated by high-octane digital experiences mm-hmm. that yep. now our dopamine receptors are essentially shot. Right. So most of the kids that I work with have, at some degree, the depression or anhedonia. Their shoulders shrugging. They're numb because they've been overly stimulated. That's and so exactly Yeah, That's profoundly sad to see that that's what's happening. The there's another piece of the puzzle that I'm working on in my new book now that I find fascinating, which I think is contributing to the psychiatric fire, this, this adolescent, uh, and, it, and it relates a bit to political correctness and the reactivity and the hyper-emotionality that some of our young people are having. The, let's call it a lack of resilience. The inability to tolerate the, the fragility. Thank you, the, the fragility. So what's, yeah. what's driving this fragility? So back in the day when we all went to college and decades ago, you had the ability to discuss things in nuance and gray. Now young people are, their brains are being wired to see things in extremes. We call it black and white thinking, right? So black and white. And and by the way, black and white thinking is one of the main symptoms. One of the main diagnostic features of something called borderline personality disorder, which we're seeing spiking through the roof. So a lot of our young people um, can't handle nuance they see things: love, hate, black, white, red, blue, up, down. There is no gray area,
1: right? And it's largely because of the, all the stimuli coming at them that their their critical, constructive, and creative thinking capacities have been
3: thwarted, diminished, so it's and stunted. But it's stunted. But it's also reflecting the polarization of social media. It's it's. Let me back up. Decades ago, there was linguistic theory that was called, it was called linguistic determinism, and. These two theorists, Sapir and Whorf, had come up with this theory, which was proved accurate: that without language, you can't think of something, especially abstract concepts. So, if you didn't have the word for, say, alienation, your brain couldn't conceptualize alienation mm. if there wasn't a, a word for it. So, language shaped thought was was sort sure. of their thesis. And now, you know, McLuhan in the '70s talked about the medium is the message. Now, the medium, now it's shaping five-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 15-year-olds right. are these polarization buckets. And, and if these algorithm-fueled polarization buckets are shaping little Johnny and little Susie's, it's not That's just um, brainwashing them, it's fundamentally shaping their ability to process information. They can't register, uh, it's almost like the, the, your visual, you can register infrared or, or visible light, they can't register nuance or grays, they only register extremes. And so well, what that begins to trans, well, what it translates into as they grow up, as they get into adolescence and young adulthood, is extreme thinking, black and white thinking, which is highly reactive thinking, which now leads into a fragility state. And my hypothesis is these kids are now the ones who are leaving college and are entirely right. ill-equipped to handle work and life and struggles right. and the nuance of, of the real world.
1: But they're making our laws, too. They're enforcing our laws. They're interpreting our laws. And and that's the yeah, real yeah. Uh, fear uh, along the way. But we're up against the break. We'll, we we'll are be- indeed. Our guest today, if you've just
0: joined us, is Dr. Nicholas Carderas, a psychologist, internationally renowned speaker, professor, mental health and addiction expert, and best-selling author of the book, Glow Kids, How Screen Addiction is Hijacking Our Kids and How to Break the Trance. We'll be talking more about that and also find out about a new book that he's got coming up in just a moment. If you're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org.
2: In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpByTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by troubled teen.org.
1: Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent Broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His Word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith
2: truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. And as a reminder, you can hear all of our past conversations, just like this one, on our website at LicensedToParent.org. Our guest today is Dr. Nicholas Carderis. He's author of a book called Glow Kids. Uh, which discusses the addictive nature of smartphones. In fact, how screen addiction is hijacking our kids is uh, part of the subtitle of the book and how to break the trance. Dr. Carderis, earlier in the program, you were talking about uh, the fact that the most connected generation is really the most disconnected. And it's, it, that really resonates with me. I sort of feel like we have all bought a lie about what smartphones are doing for us. When I first got mine, I proudly proclaimed to my wife that this device because I can check emails on it is going to allow me to be less tethered to my office. And within the first few weeks of having it, she said you are you are not only more tethered to your office, you know, you're you've almost become a slave to your office cuz now you can never walk away from it. And she was absolutely right. And um I I think for our kids in particular, but for all of us now, we're looking at the, quote, social connections that we make through our smartphones, whether it's texting people or doing Instagram or TikTok or, uh, you know, Facebook, any of the social media platforms, and we feel like we're really connected. But uh, address that, if you would. Why is that not the case?
3: Well, it's almost the exact opposite. It's been essentially a bait and switch. Smartphones are potentially making dumber people, and social media is really anti-social media. And and so the honey that that has been trying to lure people have been some of the promises that you spoke about being untethered from work, and 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 smartphones can be these amazing gadgets. But what they've done is they've created a 24-7 work day and work week where you're, now we're all overworked and overstressed and never really having time to be human and to really be unplugged from work. And social media is really not the medium that genuine socialization needs to occur. It's a counterfeit connection. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it should have been like chocolate and peanut butter. It should have been a perfect marriage, uh, social media for a social species. But in fact, what it's done is it's created the illusion of connection not genuine connection and so that's why we're seeing millennials who are the most plugged in are the most depressed, lonely, suicidal, mm. psychiatrically unwell generation uh, on record.
0: And traits with regard to your work day in and day out at Shepherd's Hill, you're seeing kids coming into Shepherd's Hill who who, you know, fit the pattern from the beginning to the end of 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 oh, what yeah. you know smartphones are doing to them and yet you unplug them so they go from being totally connected yes to being totally unplugged what do you see what what's the transformation look like well
1: being unplugged uh we require that they work that they, they take care of their own environments they build their own cabins that they learn new things trades uh, along the way. And you know, my wife and I, we do a thing called The Last Supper, or the night before graduation, we ask uh, every every graduate uh, a long list of questions because we're trying to uh, continually improve as as a ministry here at Shepherd's Hill, as a therapeutic ministry. And I ask them one of the questions I ask, what's one thing that Shepherd's Hill can never stop doing? And you know the thing that comes up very, very often? Never stop making us work with our hands. Mm-hmm. We never felt so human. And I never realized what, how, uh, wonderful life could be without a device hanging off my pocket. And, you know, you can f- physically see, uh, the way, uh, the kids carry their, their bodies, mm-hmm. the, the countenances on their faces, um, the way they interact with people. You know, they come in here with virtually no social skills. They don't know how to really talk to human beings face-to-face. We're giving them an opportunity to have a real face-to-face human experience. You know, and I've said, so how do you think you're going to do out in the real world? Here's the answer I get a lot. Mr. Trace, I feel like I've been living in the real world for a year now. I'm going out into a matrix. I'm going out into a virtual world that I have to try to bring some sanity back into. And I I encourage them to do that, to do just that.
0: Well, and and every time I come onto the campus at, at Shepherd's Hill, what I see is... Uh, students who are walking from place to place, they're engaged in conversation oh, yeah. while they're walking. They may be playing mm-hmm. basketball. They may be working on a project. I've been to you know where where they live to the shelters that they build, and it's it's very rustic at Shepherd's Hill. Yeah, no running water, electricity. But, well, not not in the yeah. camps themselves. <laughs> at their camps at the living right. quarters. Right, but yeah. uh, but it's it it truly is remarkable. And when you speak to the young men and women who are at Shepherd's Hill as students. They look you in the eye. They speak respectfully. They speak intelligently. And uh, it's it's hard to imagine that these are the same people who set foot inside the gates for the first time just a year before.
1: One thing I've learned about young people, they will do what's required of them. The problem is most parents don't require much. And they're using their gadgets to duck out of responsibility and really deep, quality, intimate relationships with their kids just like their kids are ducking out uh, uh, with others as well. Uh, but I, f- I find it interesting that some—I must have been living under a rock, and I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I have uh, along the way. But i it just dawned on me that it's insulting to, to, to call anybody, on—you know just randomly call someone. They're expecting a warning text that you're gonna call, and it's like, what in the heck just happened right. there? And I, I wonder why no one's answering their phone anymore. And I realize, well, you know, you're, they're probably listening to your message on their on their exercise bike or over a latte, uh, and you know, but but I'm the rude one for calling, right? It's yeah. crazy. Well,
0: Doctor Carderis, uh, any final thoughts from you? What What is it gonna take for us to change our own habits and addictions? and get our kids to do the same thing.
3: Um, you know, my treatment programs somewhat mirror what Trace is doing at Shepherds. You know, we're doing physical activity, we're doing things in nature, we're getting people's hands dirty, and they're doing it together as a community. Um, th- that's the solution, leaning back into back to basics. I, I, I can't say it enough, we have to go back to basics because we've gone too far astray from your <laughs> Muppet quote. <laughs> humans is humans. <laughs> And we've become digitized non-humans, and it's been to our detriment. And, Trace, I'm always amazed when I hear you speak. And you know, really, God bless you in the work that you're doing, because that is the solution. If we can all do some of that as parents, because it's a really, really rough matrix that most of our kids are growing up in right now. We can't even imagine what it's like to be a 13-year-old. Yeah.
0: Well, I need to bring this to a close today. Our time, unfortunately, has gotten away from us. But uh, our thanks to our guest today, Dr. Nicholas Carderis, psychologist, speaker, professor, mental health and addiction expert, and best-selling author of the book, Glow Kids, How Screen Addiction is Hijacking Our Kids, and How to Break the Trance. Incidentally, you can learn more about uh, the work of Dr. Carderas and find his books Uh, at all major booksellers, but uh, you can find out more about him on his website drcardaras.com, and that's D-R-K-A-R-D-A-R-A-S.com. We'll have a link to that in our show notes today.
1: Doctor, thank you so much for
0: being with us. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And Rich, if I could just say one one more thing, quickly. Licensed Parent has been nominated uh, again for a program of the year against all the big guys, Uh, and, and all I have to do is turn around and probably see two or three horses behind me where we do this from the middle of a horse pasture. Yes. So let's say a little <laughs> something. And, and, and I want to say thank you to Rich uh, Rosel because he is what has made this program what it is. Uh, I'm just the schmo that, you know, I'm a part-timer. I come in here and give some content uh, once in a while, but Rich makes the thing what it is. And uh, I'm sad to say that, that Rich is, uh, because of health issues, is going to be uh, moving on down the road. Uh, He'll always be a a little bit involved, but he will not be co-hosting the program. And uh, I feel like uh, Lee felt when he lost um, Stonewall Jackson, I feel like I'm losing my right arm. But uh, it's a chance to see God pull another rabbit out of the hat. And uh, Rich,
0: you've been a great co-host. Well, Trace, thank you for those very kind words. And uh, thank you for the opportunity you've given me to work with you these past several years here on Licensed to Parent. Michelle Hill steps in next week as the new full-time co-host of the program. So for one last time, on behalf of Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent.
1: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.
0: So long.